0: Why look for conspiracy when stupidity can explain so much? A quote by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Ah, Goethe. Goethe,
1: Goethe, Goethe. Why, Why why, Marie, why do we look for
0: conspiracy when it's just that idiots run everything?
1: (laughs) So, in our discussions about Denver International Airport, it's probably a good idea to catch up a little bit on conspiracy theory.
0: Probably probably probably, probably a good good idea
1: to talk about conspiracy theory. Not that not that people haven't, you know, don't have a a wealth of conspiracy theories coming at them twenty four seven these days, but it's good to step back and put into a little bit of perspective. And we ourselves, mad scientists, actually talked about them in a past episode, probably more than once, but namely in two thousand sixteen. Which seems like A million years ago,
0: which must have been like the third episode or something, which is crazy of our 17 part series. (laughs) Wow. Ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Seriously. All right. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about conspiracy theories. We're going to dig into them. And then we're also going to get into, of course, how the lizards are controlling global trade through the airport. Jake, roll the tape.
1: conspiracy theories still i'm too. gonna admit that they're, i'm just gonna t- admit
0: that it's you know what I, I i said this on someone else's podcast conspiracy theories were fun until the guy with the nuclear codes was was spewing them I think <laughs> and, I, you know it's it's all it's all fun in games until somebody gets nuked in the eye
1: it's all fun yeah it's all fun in games until somebody somebody uh, says hey pass the pass the football right tells the security guard or the Yeah, the uh, CIA agents pass the football and give them the codes. Um, So, yeah. So how did we talk about conspiracy theories before in the past? And really, I mean, and has it changed very much since then?
0: I think there is a... I think that there is definitely a kind of a cutting-off point where politics, governments and politics use conspiracy theories... Like, there's a... A lot of a lot of people will say that there's a there's a break between kind of a pre conspiracy theory age and a post conspiracy theory age. Like, and usually Americans will put it at the death of JFK. The assassination of JFK is like before conspiracy theories and then after conspiracy theories, and that seems pretty stupid and arbitrary. It, clearly, like that, yeah, it made a difference for Americans. Kind of, I guess, like the types of conspiracy theories that we sort of talked about, but. We already had them out there. I do think, though, and and in some ways, too, we have kind of a... Like, we are going to talk about this, and I think if you watch the news, there's something of a kind of false dichotomy between... Or not an economy again, like a false timeline break between, like, pre-Donald Trump conspiracies and post-Donald Trump conspiracies, where now everyone takes them super seriously because suddenly, like, people think that they, they matter. But actually, again and we're going to get into this, conspiracy theories have been with us the entire, for for all of human civilization, conspiracy theories have basically been with us. From the time that we started living in groups and trading, like, rocks with each other, Um, there have been conspiracy theories. And I would actually argue, and I don't know, Marie, if you agree with me, I would actually argue that a better timeline break is actually kind of pre- and post-mass media. Yeah, like, I mean... The inv- the invention, the, the the minute that radios became available to every person or even pamphlets, I guess, like that's the thing. Any any timeline break you make is is negligible or <laughs> it's meaningless. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, yeah. conspiracy theories, the way that they spread before the printing press and after the printing press, that was pretty different, too.
1: I think you could say it's it's, you know, pre and post Industrial Revolution somewhat like because basically you had to have something to to distribute the information but Mm -hmm. i don't i i think i think the idea of uh you could even you could break it down and i get i hate to i hate to get all i hate to get all anti-capitalist and marxist but i mean i do think that there is a certain amount of um of uh have and have not to it right like i mean really that's what some of conspiracy theories are rooted in, like that's the real strong deep roots or like some other group of people have access, have money and have control, or I at least Mm. perceive that they do. And the injustice that comes along with that sometimes can take the root of a conspiracy theory to make myself feel a little bit more comfortable or give myself a little bit more of a sense of control over over a situation that I feel is unfair. So as long as there's been people with grievances about unfair situations, there's been conspiracy theories. And that's yeah. not to say that, like, people with grievances about unfair situations are all conspiracy theorists. Because, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of unfair shit happening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> since the dawn of time. So let's get that on the record. But I think that this is almost like, a, like an after effect Right, that you're yeah. gonna be feeling these, you know, that there's going to be a group of people that are going to have a reaction to this, or that everyone has a reaction to this at some point in time.
0: Yeah. Depending I guess,
1: on, you know, their own psychological you know, markers at that
0: point. What what I what I wanna I guess what I wanna say before we get into this for all the listeners, and just to say it too, and Maria's Maria's said it already basically. Is that we're not but, lizard people. Right. We're not we're not lizard people. Number one, Uh, number two. No, it's one man's conspiracy theory is another man's propaganda is another man's good messaging. Yes. To the public. Yes. You know, it's good social, like good, good sociology, good public policy. So it's any any like timeline, any position you take on like what is and is not a conspiracy like some things are obvious right like lizard people aren't controlling the world you know that's like that seems that, that to me is a conspiracy theory that is like right you know un- unambiguously stupid
1: right depends, but, right that's but, like the far end of the spectrum of of conspiracy theories.
0: yeah but getting into getting into you know getting into more kind of mundane conspiracy mundane getting into more Everyday conspiracy bread and theories. bread butter conspiracy theories. Yeah, your bread and butter conspiracy theories. You know, the government is poisoning people with mass media to keep them stupid. The government is... A, a portion of the government is working against political outsiders to keep them marginalized. Yes. yes. Those sorts of conspiracy theories, it really matters your worldview what you're looking at. Because right. facts don't really matter. No. When it comes to conspiracy theories,
1: well, and there have been conspiracy theories that are true.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> out there
1: as well. And like, that's the other—that's the MK other thing. Ultra actually, really, truly did happen?
0: Yeah, they were shooting LSD into people like with dart guns. You know, it's ridiculous, but it's true. There's so, and that's the thing as well to keep in mind is again not to say that like you know all this is true or all this isn't true, whatever, but. Conspiracy theories are such a tricky thing because the stuff, the conspiracy theories that become, that are proven to be true mm-hmm. just become part of history. Yes. And so, and because they become part of history, they become boring. They become almost hidden based, just just because of how unsensational they are. And often they are, there is no comeuppance for the people that did the bad things, you know? The guys that ran MK Ultra have airports named after them. <laughs> so, you know, there's no there's like there's nothing nothing bad happens to them because, again, it, it kind of comes with it's like part of that whole story or that whole thought, you know, history is written by the victors.
1: Yes. You no, know, it's yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. If a
0: conspiracy theory works and then it's proven, uh, you know, a lot of the times it's it's conspiracy theory being performed by people in power still. So anyways, something to keep in mind. All right, Marie. So let's, talk, so let's talk about this then. What what did we, I guess, what did we used to hear people talk about or how did we used to hear people talk about conspiracy theories and people who believe them?
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, and again, we kind of hit on it just over over that last little bit in that time, but, you know, conspiracy theories are meant to give people a sense of control, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have agency over some part of my life. And so this internalizes and having this narrative put upon whatever a given situation is actually gives me a sense of control. And it takes something that you were saying, like it was, it's, it's hard to kind of rationalize or make sense of certain things. So these it breaks it down into something that is more interesting and more tangible for people, right? So it's, it's taking the unknown or something that is really vast or something that is really complicated, like a geopolitical whatever right and it is breaking it down to a shape that we can imagine so if we can imagine it and we can kind of make it known to us then we have a better sense of control over it and it's giving that sense of like that that sense of unease or that sense of apprehension or that sense of you know of of being out of control um a language that's a simpler narrative to believe and that's Mm -hmm. really kind of the general roots of like how we how we you know in our episode we talked about it And how we also, um, how I've, you know, historically, when I think about it, or when I read about it, how it's sort of been framed in the past. And uh, so the authors of psychology of conspiracy theories said, casual explanations serve the need for people to feel safe and secure in their environment, and to exert control over their environment as autonomous individuals and as members of a collective. In short, people want to feel safe or feel like we have control over what's happening, right? And I, th- I feel like that really kind of is at one of the big foundations of conspiracy theories, right? I want to feel safe. I want to have that identity and I want, and I'm going to seek out others that have that same need and have that same conclusion, right? So it's also sort of like confirmation bias comes into this pretty early on too. Like, I'm not going to challenge that need. Like I'm not going to find things that make me feel more uneasy. I'm going to try and seek out others that are going to confirm that.
0: Yeah. Um, Go ahead. No. And and it, it takes away some of the, it almost takes away some of the edge of the bad stuff happening to you. Yes. Because it, it goes from being, it goes from being the system and the society I, I live in doesn't care about people like me. Or actively harms people like me. To there is some evil power controlling all the strings. Right. I actually think it's funny. Katie and I just binge watched Daredevil season three.
1: Oh, nice!
0: Because we haven't. Uh, we just hadn't finished it ever. Even though Daredevil is one of my favorite superheroes. Yes. And, and oh, it's so good. But
1: yes. The not to give out fight any fight scene not, in the first oh, episode. So good.
0: Is a ball So good. All right. So not not to give out any spoilers or anything, but the main villain in Daredevil is the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk. Yeah. And Kingpin has always been a really interesting character for me because the whole thing with Kingpin is that it's, you know, uh, Daredevil and Spider-Man and all these people that fight against the Kingpin are trying to kind of work within the bounds of the law. And Kingpin is set up in such a way in Hell's Kitchen and in Manhattan in just New York City, I guess, in general, that with the law is working for him. The law protects him. He has those people working for him. Yes. And so, but you can imagine that, the you know, that kind of easy answer that, oh, there's one guy at the top pulling all the strings and making all this terrible stuff happen. And if he was just gone, all of this would go away. Mm-hmm. That's a lot easier to swallow than, hey, there are a lot of dirty cops and dirty FBI agents and just bad people out there that'll do things to hurt you for no reason or or will do it because they're greedy yes. or, you know, because yes. you can't protect yourself or you can't protect the people or, you love. Yes. It's neater. It's it's easier. And it also takes away some of the, again, not to say like you have really any control, like you don't have control over whether or not, a uh, you know, um, a a guy comes into your house and robs you or something, right? Or a police officer decides to plant drugs on you, right? Like, you don't have control over those kinds of terrible things that happen. But I think everyone naturally kind of feels like if something bad happens to you, you want to respond to it in some way and defend yourself. Yes. Putting it onto a boogeyman who is pulling all the strings or even a boogey group, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, what What do you call a boogey? Earth, wind, and fire. A boogie group, you know, putting it on Earth, wind, and fire really makes groups. it so that you know it, there's it nothing you could have done there
1: for you listeners. <laughs>
0: that, that, that's that's a callback to the 1960s. I think. Um, Anyways. All right, sorry. So, so
1: No, but okay, so just, you know, just to reiterate a couple other things that you brought up since you're talking about the Kingpin, there's one major one major show that you left out that the Kingpin was just in, which was Hawkeye. Yes. And I will say that the interesting thing, okay, so again, the hero of it is fighting Kingpin in that episode is Hawkeye who was ronin, right? Who was again disenfranchised really disenfranchised by, uh, by the system and by the, the snap, right? And felt like he lost a huge... He lost his family. He lost his identity. He lost his best friend, right? And so he became Ronin, which gave... Um, which, again, sort of... He, he sort of internalized all of this rage and started to act out to, uh, to assassinate these figures, Right, which psychologically is really, kind of, again well, we, feeding into that entire conspiracy we, we, theory. We
0: all want to think that we would become Ronan or Daredevil. None of us want to think that we're like the old lady on the corner who Kingpin is, you know, hitting up for protection money.
1: Well, and um, we also don't ever want to think that we would be Kingpin or that we would no ever exactly work for Kingpin. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, absolutely or not. That we no, would yet. become
0: that. Like, no, I can't pull off a white suit. <laughs> <Who is
1: this? laughs> no you way. Have seen what he was wearing in. You should have seen what he was wearing in um, in uh, in the, the, the this last one in Hawkeye. Oh, I
0: got to check it out. Yeah, Hawkeye exactly. is the it next was, one it, we're was, it
1: was this Hawaiian. anyways. Um, again, big you know, big big Marvel universe fans. Um, but I think the thing that we're getting to, and it is a quote that I believe was coined by um, uh, Professor uh, Joseph Ubranski, who writes a lot about. Conspiracy theories and is uh, you know really recognized voice in this and is still writing about it even to you know even after 2016, um, which is conspiracy theories are for losers, and that mm-hmm. is he that is he one of the things that I think is the and it's sort of like it's a little cold like when I say it it's a little like oh but it's true it's like conspiracy theories are for losers they're for people that feel like they've been disenfranchised or they can they feel like they've been marginalized. Um, and they don't have, they don't have a way to address it or they feel like they don't have a way to address it. So it gives them the opportunity to reject the narrative completely, mm-hmm. like we were saying, and that they create, uh, they create their own. And it also gives them sort of like, hey, this is a secret that I know about. Right. And me and, and, and my, the members of my tribe that believe in this know about and it's again it, it it builds your own community it builds your own like helps you focus your identity and it it really poses the difference between the dangerous Whoa. untrustworthy things out there and these are things that are that are, are a threat and i'm able to neutralize them with my with my community
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. right which again fits really nicely into into daredevil Season three is great. Season three is really good. I like that. Anyways. Okay. So, um, so in this way, it's, it's conspiracy theories are both very scary, right? Because you've got the lizard people, you have this, you know, these huge things, but they're also reassuring, right? Because you've got evil that is very, very powerful and, but you are kind of struggling on the side of good to counter it. It's reassuring because it's giving, it's giving meaning to, to yourself. Like you now have this knowledge and you're in on this secret, but also things aren't random. They're not, um, they're not arbitrary, right? Cause you know, the, I think the reality or, you know, how, how I look at it is like, this is a kind of a chaotic world and bad things are going to happen and they may not have any, they may not have any reason. Things are going to happen that may not have reason. And that's really, really frightening. So this is a way to, again, sort of restore that, restore that order and give real clear definitions in this sort of this duality um, in which you can kind of start to invest yourself with some purpose for, you know, that's, like I'm going to mm-hmm. fight about these things. I'm going to, I've identified them. I've identified like-minded thinkers. So we, we talk about it to one another. And that kind of gives us this purpose.
0: What's what's interesting too is, again, we kind of we we talked about it again with Daredevil. We should just do a whole episode on Daredevil. <laughs> the it also I, I kind of wonder too because uh, I, again, at the center of this is sort of this idea of you know, a good like like good versus evil, you know. And we talked about in the beginning in the beginning of the season how that is kind of a very traditional western view and not necessarily i mean western it's a, it's a it's like an abrahamic religion a judeo-christian view yes. Yes. that you know there's a god and then there's a devil there's a light and a dark a good and an evil but you know in cultures in cultures or belief systems like you can imagine in a belief system let's say that's polytheistic where there isn't really a good god and a bad god. There's just sort of gods that do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like, we don't really understand what they're doing. You can imagine that that kind of idea of a conspiracy or whatever, it might be different than the way that ours are. You know, it might be different than the kind that we expect to see. But But it's interesting because... A lot of what we think about conspiracy theories just sort of as a as a population, like just knee jerk reaction. Like, oh, you know, again, this idea like, you know, well, conspiracy theories are, it's just a small amount of people who believe these things and whatever. That's uh, that's not really true. It's like a pretty <laughs> yeah. it, can, it, can, it can sometimes be a pretty sizable portion of the population. Sometimes like up to 50 percent of people believe in something that we would consider to be or, or what would be termed kind of a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not limited to, it's not limited really to the powerless or the, well, so that's kind of an interesting thing. And that's, I guess, where Marie and I draw the line or drew the line when we were writing up what this episode was, the time before conspiracy theories were used by the powerful versus today, where it seems like they're used more by the powerful and I and I don't I don't actually think that, again, that's like a real distinction, because I think they were always used by the powerful. But we just call them propaganda. We call them something different. Yes, it's a good point. That's but, point. you know, the idea of kind of what today, you know, in America, we think of as conspiracy theories that really changes depending on your political bend, you know, so. Some of these, so if we look at people's conspiracy theories, though, so one thing that people kind of say as a knee jerk reaction or a thought is that it must be that conspiracy theories are more prevalent today than they ever have been. And that's totally not true at all. It's just not true. Conspiracy theories have been around forever at basically the same levels. And even the types of conspiracy theories we've been believing are basically the same conspiracy theories. We just, you know. We conspiracy theories don't go away like pseudoscientific beliefs don't go away. The, the window dressing changes the way that we kind of put them together changes to make a new thing. But, you know, conspiracy theory, it's sort of like the menu at Taco Bell. You know, it's all the same couple of ingredients. We just put them together differently and then charge you an extra dollar because it's a chalupa versus a taco. <laughs> but basically, it's all tacos, you know. Oh. So if we look at chalupa it, pretty good, out. right? So one thing that's interesting, though, is conspiracy theory hasn't been. Our definition of conspiracy theory only really has started being thought of in the last like 20 years. Mm-hmm. We never really, and at least in America, we never really thought of them before as uh, anything worth studying. And so there aren't actually that many studies on the timeline of conspiracy theories. But one that was done was done by political scientists, uh, Joseph Uchinski and uh, Joseph Parent, Yep. And they looked at 120 years of letters to the editors um, for the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune. It was over 100,000 letters. And they basically found that there was no change in the amount of conspiracy theory beliefs that were expressed in those letters over time. And in fact, uh, the number of conspiracy theory letters actually declined from like the 1890s to the 1960s. Um, and then have been basically the same since then if we look at statistics on say the jfk conspiracy theory it's it's been the same since jfk was assassinated about 40 percent of the population does not think that lee harvey oswald (laughs) operated alone that has been it's just steady that's been the thought process and the belief which is incredible
1: i mean that is that is really that is and that's an interesting that's an interesting article i read that a while back yeah
0: yeah. And it looks at, it looks at two. So other, other conspiracy theories too. So again, if we look at these, right. So, um, Obama, you know, uh, president Barack Obama was not born in the United States. Um, 11% strongly agree. 13% agree. George Soros is behind a hidden plot to destabilize the American government, take control of the media and put the world under his control. Uh, 9% strongly agree. 10% agree. neither agree or disagree. That was kind of funny to me. Like, I guess I don't know enough about George Soros to say for sure, but I guess it could happen. It could Um, happen. The current financial crisis is secretly orchestrated by a small group of Wall Street bankers to extend Mm -hmm. the power of the Federal Reserve and further their control of the world economy. 8% strongly agree, 17% uh, disagree. Um... The only the the three that get really strong disagreement, which is interesting. The Obama, Obama was not born in the United States one that gets strong disagreements. Yeah. Um, the planning of September 11th gets strong disagreement with 41 percent strongly disagreeing. Uh, chemtrails, 42 yes. percent. And this one is my favorite because it's this one's my favorite because it's one that's hit my life because my grandmothers on all sides of the family believed this. The U.S. government is mandating the switch to compact fluorescent light bulbs because such lights make people more obedient and easier to control. 4% strongly agree, 7% agree. Wow. Interesting.
1: The nanas, the nanas, nanas don't trust the light bulbs, huh?
0: Don't, do not. They do not trust the light bulbs. Oh, uh, so light bulbs. One, one that's actually super common in American belief, though, and again, we kind of touched on it with some of those, like with George Soros and stuff, they believe in the Illuminati. The belief in the Illuminati is as American as apple pie. Yes. It goes back to the founding of our country of people like Jedediah Morse, uh, Timothy Dwight, and the evangelical federalists. Right, It's so like the federalists and anti-federalists. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that there was a they believe that there was a an attempt to essentially take over the American government. Um, to uh, to to get rid of all the Christians from the country. Mm. Um and so uh Mm-mm-mm. yeah, so and there were a lot of again sort of um there were a lot of it's interesting because there was a lot of people in the New England especially who thought that this was a real threat that you know people were coming to take over um they were going mm-hmm. to take over. Uh, and and get rid of uh, the Christianity from the Christian founding of America, and so in some of the people too, these were these were not like small figures. Timothy Dwight was the head of Yale University, um. So like these were important people.
1: Yeah, but you can also see like again, I I think you can start to argue, well, all right, you know, 1790s, you know, the founding, we're still kind of figuring shit out, right? I mean, America's still becoming a country there there's a lot of there are a lot of unknowns right there's still a lot of unknowns there's not a lot of um reliable data <laughs> right there's not there's you know you your your communication is smaller with smaller groups of people more sporadic you know you're facing more external threats that are non quote i'm air quoting like non christian threats right from mm your environment. So I can, I can see that like the idea of the Illuminati, I can see how that could also really just, you can see how it could seep in and take hold. Like that's, that to me is like, I get the Illuminati being more believable back then, but what blows my mind is that it's still as prevalent today.
0: Well, what's again, you know, at, you know, at the court right people I firmly believe the more and more that we do this show and the more and more time I spend like you know wading through the grossness of paranormal and conspiracy Twitter um some and some people are wonderful it's it can be really great but sometimes it can be a real hellhole um you know I one thing I've definitely learned or I guess I've come to believe is that again you know the 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 extraneous part of what people believe, the facts, the the stuff that they talk about, doesn't really matter. It's the underlying, it's the underlying motivations, it's the values that really are what set the tone for whether or not you'll believe in a conspiracy theory or something like that. So if you think about early Illuminati theory, they were worried that Christianity was being removed from America, And so the power of, of Christians Mm -hmm. um, was being taken away by other people. Mm -hmm. That's the exact same fear that's driven QAnon. And I I would argue it's a big part of the fear. Yes. um, That's driven QAnon and these other kind of modern day conspiracy theories too. Right. Like the idea that, you know, America is no longer going to be like a white Christian nation in a generation. That's, Pretty scary for someone who, when they think about what America means, they think about. They think about, you know, uh, Billy and Jane and their golden retriever and the white picket fence and their two, you know, their their dad and mom, the mom, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, stays at home and bakes the dad, you know, brunette, tall, muscular, uh, whatever works for the CIA. (laughs) Putting LSD in people's drinks, you know what I mean? Like that, America is going away. Yeah, and, and you know, and for some people, like when I think of, when I think of America, I think about, I mean, I think about like my family's experience. Like I think about people coming here from war torn countries and like starting, mm-hmm. starting over. You know, that's what I think about. Um, so well, anyways. I think
1: I, I, my point being is like you have more. There's more difference now than there was you know in the in the 17 yeah, you yeah. have other you are actually exposed to other um to other life events and to other and to other things i mean again i think it 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 kind of that can also to your point maybe cause a reaction to people to to even you know, knee jerk further into the idea of the Illuminati or that there's, you know, they're coming to take us, you know, they're coming to destroy our our uh, Judeo-Christian, you know, uh, society. And it's like, yeah. I think, but it, to me, it's like, wow, that's like, it's one of the things that seems like that's so huge and is so ridiculous, and it is so hard to challenge. Like, you should be able to deprogram that logically what? i think to myself you should be able to deprogram that within people within a certain amount of time like yeah but we like, exposure but we're and everything else but you don't like that's why but i'm like i'm like that's why you think it's easy but it's like no that's like to me that the idea that that illuminati is like that's behind it is is so like like you're saying that's like so well-worn and but it's so ingratiated and it's also like you were saying can be used in propaganda it can be used to to instigate fear in people to take an action and vote a certain way without really thinking without really understanding any of the any of the effect.
0: Well, we we also I think believe I think Marie, you and I would both agree on this as a knee-jerk position, but maybe I I actually think nowadays I'm I think the opposite almost. Uh oh. But I but I think we would initially have said that Access to more, better information, should make people less susceptible to conspiracy theory belief. Yeah, and I, I, today, I don't know no. if that's true. I think that's kind of what the that's what the, the that's what the the thought <laughs> of that's what the thought and goal and kind of I think belief of educators or sociologists who study this or you mm-hmm. know people think that if you give people the right information or, or access to good versus bad information, then most people will choose good information. And maybe that's true. I hope that that's true, but I think it honestly almost more matters. Who's giving the information.
1: I I would say that. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it still comes down to education.
0: It does. Well, it kind of does, but again, you know, in that that's, who's
1: giving that information, right? Like I, I think information, like, like you're saying, information is now out there in abundance like if you want to find out something or if you want information it's it's google right like you can you can get to it i think the shaping of that information and the the education around how do you how do you think about education and how do you challenge education and sort of the role of an educator is more important now than anything else
0: yeah i think so i mean Clearly, you know, a good portion of the population thinking that the guy who used to make people eat testicles on TV (laughs) is a good source of information. That's probably not super great. But anyways. Well, yes. But. So let's do. Yes. No, go ahead.
1: I would say, I would say, and I agree with you. I agree with you. But I, I think then that it also comes with a certain amount of responsibility cuz i think that the the guy who you know has a has a massively successful podcast and good up for him good up for him um would say that he doesn't have a necessarily a responsibility to edit or to he's presenting the information he's just he's out there and he's asking questions i'm just asking
0: questions i'm just asking
1: questions which but again like i think that it in like Facebook, like other platforms, kind of evades the responsibility of, well, you are you have a responsibility, or like, well, you do, you, the, yeah.
0: The other part of that, though, too, the other part of that, though, too, is the only that. reason we're even talking about we're gonna get we're gonna get back to the episode in a second here, but you know, the Pete, you right only bigfoot people, <laughs> people, but the thing is, too. People only expect you to have that responsibility once you start making money. And at that point, it's too late. Right. You know, right. I mean, right. you know, we, yeah. we started a podcast with, you know, with $20 and, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, hope. And people listen to us every week or every week that we get an episode out. <laughs> <laughs> but people listen to us, you know, and... I, you know, I hope that people are are listening to us and thinking like, well, maybe Chris is a little biased or maybe Marie doesn't know what she's talking about here or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> I yes. hope you're listening to us and you're thinking we're full of shit. Yes. But, you know, that's yeah, we all have a responsibility and we take that responsibility fairly seriously here like you and I do. But, you know, that just asking questions thing, that's super popular. You know what I mean? Look at the paranormal charts, man. That's super, mm-hmm. super popular. So anyways. All right. And we're back from the break. We're still
1: not lizard people.
0: Still not lizard people. No eggs over here. Definitely no eggs in my brain. There are a couple of different ways to think about conspiracy theories. So Jesse Walker in 2013 um, argued that there's five types of conspiracy theories. The enemy outside theory. So there's a figure scheming against a community. Mm -hmm. The enemy within, which is there's somebody inside of your organization or community that is trying to destroy ordinary citizens. The enemy above, which is somebody at, above, your, above your place. So someone in a position of power, manipulating others for their gain. The enemy below, which is lower classes. So the poor, the downtrodden, whoever coming together to overturn existing social standards. And the benevolent conspiracies where uh angelic forces so your, you know your benevolent space brothers all that good stuff are trying to help people and improve the world around us mm. mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a based on sort of the way the conspiracy works another way of thinking about them is from michael barkin who mm-hmm. talked about the kind of the, the, the not really the source i guess of the conspiracy but kind, kind of like the buckets the, they're sort of like yeah like the you had the, to
1: classify them
0: Sort of yeah, just it's, like it's,
1: what uh, Jesse did above.
0: Yeah, so Jesse talks about kind of who is performing the conspiracy. This is hmm. almost more like the interwovenness or the kind of the web of the conspiracy. So there's event conspiracies. Those are like, you know, Kennedy assassination, 9-11, those kinds of things, right? A conspiracy around a specific event that happened to a lot of people. Systemic conspiracy, which these are the ones that are really... Uh, really kind of deep. These are the ones that are talking about, like, you know, Jews control the media or the lizard people or whatever. And super conspiracy theories, which is uh, these are the ones that are kind of, they take conspiracy theories together. So smaller conspiracy theories and merge them into one bigger one. So again, if you think that, like when we talked about like Jewish control of the media, that's one portion of a larger anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, say pushed forward by like David Icke or Bill Cooper, where the Jews control the media. They also control banking. They, you know, poison wells. They like do all the crazy shit that Borat thinks, but because it's not a guy with a fake mustache and a crazy accent, people are like, that makes sense. You know, because it's like, because it's Alex Jones saying the crazy shit and claiming it's lizards as opposed to, you know, gnomes or whatever. People are like, yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense now.
1: Yeah, it's sort so, of like this is this is the overarching. This is the umbrella is is how I look at like cons- the the super conspiracy is it can take any of like it can take uh, enemy above enemy below event systemic. And yeah, it, mer- puts it, 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 it merges puts them, them all together. together. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, the, you know, the big soup.
0: Yeah. So you can think like the enemy below like like the again, kind of the idea that like, you know, Uh, a jewish cabal of people control the world that merges all of the five types together in some cases yeah yeah. you know
1: it's how also how you apply that right because the event could be they were behind this particular event right yes and or they were um you know they are working within this community or whatever it is yeah it's a super yeah i mean it's to me and it's like it works really well because again, there's nothing to disprove it, right? There's no friction in any of that. It can all go like, it, it's easy to put everything together.
0: Yeah, there's always there's always another conspiracy you can make to make the link work
1: stronger. Yeah, there's nothing that there's nothing that works against it.
0: Yeah, a, a more kind of a more uh, a more simplistic, but I think a, actually almost a more powerful way of lumping lumping them together is by Murray Rothbard, who says that there's a, there's like There's deep conspiracy theories and then shallow conspiracy theories. And so a shallow and like not even conspiracy theories. There there are theorists. So Mm -hmm. shallow theorists and deep theorists, a shallow conspiracy theorist will. Those are the kind of people that are always like, you know, well, who benefits from this? Like qui bono. So, um, you know, if the Twin Towers are taken down and somebody put out a big insurance claim on the towers that year, then they must be responsible for for nine eleven. They must have been involved because they benefited. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a simple one. And it basically says that, you know, whoever is kind of like, you know, we'll follow the money. Yeah. You know, no. it's simplistic. The reason is easy. Um, and the, and the, actually, and the, a lot and the of the reason times,
1: is logical. I think yeah. that's also and the, the reason. Exactly. It's and it's shallow. and the reason is logical. logical. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Deep conspiracy theorists, though, what they do is they start off by positing they posit something first, and then they try to find evidence to confirm their initial belief. So your belief that the government is hiding evidence about aliens. You can go out and find evidence for that everywhere. And all you're doing, though, again, because we talk about it a lot, you're not falsifying that thought. You're just confirming it. You can always find evidence to confirm your your hunch or your belief. It's very hard, though, to uh, just naturally make yourself want to falsify something, you know? So mm-hmm. it's it's really quite interesting. So there's a lot of ways to think about this stuff. And again, this field is actually pretty, pretty uh, young, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is confirmation one... bias, though, is what you're saying. Exactly.
0: That's ba- it's basically confirmation bias run amok. Uh, the last kind of part of conspiracy theory that I think is, I think is really, really interesting, and I actually think it's sort of a... Mm. It's really, I think, something that we should dig deeper into almost, maybe do its own episode on. uh Is, so a lot of people have asked themselves, well, where have conspiracy theories come from? Like, what what has made, consp- what makes conspiracy theories thrive since, let's say, the Industrial Revolution? And the sociologist Bruno Latour suggests that it's actually the pervasiveness of critical theory. Oh. And so he talks about this in an, in an article called Why Has Critique Run Out of Steam? From Matters of Fact to Matters of Concern. And so what do I mean by critique? Critique, or kind of critical theory, is it's it really comes from Marxism, um, or it's most famous in Marxism, I guess. But it sort of comes from previous notions as well. But essentially, like when you hear critical theory, like there's a reason like we call it critical race theory, critical gender theory, critical whatever. These are from the same school of thought. And the basic idea is, is that you should to understand the way that society is, you have to look at the roots of power and how those power functions kind of work within each other. Which if you think about what we just said about like mm. Qui Bono or uh you know those shallow versus deep conspiracy theories, it's it's a little bit concerning to maybe think that, well, wait a second, that kind of sounds a little similar. Yeah, that it sounds a little bit it sounds a little bit a little close in its thinking. Mm-hmm. And so what Bruno argues in this in this article really is that um although Social criticism, so criticizing social structures and society in general based on those power dynamics is 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 powerful. It has been powerful and has led to really great benefits, say, in, you know, the rights of women and the, mm-hmm. the rights of minorities and other people that have been, you know, historically treated like shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. he says the following. So, quote. We can summarize, I estimate, 90% of the contemporary critical scene by the following series of diagrams that fixate the object in only two positions, which I have called the fact position and the fairy position. Fact and fairy are etymologically related, but I won't develop this point here. Thank God, because most philosophers would be like, let's get into what these words mean for a thousand pages. Now now I'm
1: sort of like, huh. All
0: right, so. The fairy position is very well known and is used over and over again by many social scientists who associate criticism with anti-fetishism. And again, fetishism or fetish in this case means like um, creating a symbol or or making something have meaning beyond what it really is. Mm -hmm. So the example that was given to me in my social criticism class was a sneaker, right? Like shoes are just shoes they're just recovering your feet but a sneaker a nike an air jordan that has all kinds of other meanings dug up into it which is a which is a fetishization yes. of yes kind of its form right? it's more than its form yeah so anyways, i mean you're
1: getting yeah you can you're getting yeah 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 yeah. yeah. no so, I, agree, I agree i agree i do think but I, I think that that's a whole that in itself is a whole other uh yes
0: yeah okay so this is what he continues. continues. But it's
1: fascinating because I now yeah. I just want to de- you can get into social deconstruction, right? Like, yeah,
0: so right, that's what this, this is. This he digs is. in. Yeah. So he goes, yeah. the role of the critic is then to show that what the naive believers are doing with objects is simply a projection of their wishes onto a material entity that does nothing at all by itself. Here they have diverted to their petty use the prophetic the fulmination against idols. They have mouths and speak not. They have ears and hear not but they use this prophecy to decry the very objects of belief – gods, fashion, poetry, sport, desire, you name it – to which naive believers cling with so much intensity. And then the courageous critic, who alone remains aware and attentive, who never sleeps, turns those false objects into fetishes that are supposed to be nothing but mere empty white screens on which is projected the power of society, domination, whatever the naive believer has received a first salvo. So what he's saying here is criticism has basically become douchebags tearing down fun things to be like, look, man, you're controlled by the media because you like like Ariana Grande or whatever, man. Like, don't you realize that she's just part of the military industrial complex? Right, that's literally what he's saying here. A little bit less silly, but like basically that's what he's saying.
1: Yeah... I don't know how much I buy. I don't know how okay, much I personally so buy.
0: Yes, go ahead. Go ahead so go ahead. next, okay. Yes. So he continues. Okay. But wait, a but wait, second salvo is in the offing, and this time it comes from the fact pole. This I don't know where the fact pole is, but keep it away from me. <laughs> this time it is the poor bloke again, taken aback, whose behavior is now explained by the powerful effects of indisputable matters of fact. You, ordinary fetishists, believe you are free, but in reality, you are acted on by forces you are not conscious of. Look at them! Look, you blind idiot! And here you insert whichever pet facts the social scientists fancy to work with, taking them from economic infrastructure, fields of discourse, social domination, race, class, and gender, maybe throwing in some neurobiology, evolutionary psychology, whatever, provided they act as indisputable facts whose origin... Fabrication, mode of development are left unexamined. So what he's saying basically is the field of criticism or the field of kind of social criticism in his view has helped create this sort of bed where conspiracy theories can form because it creates. It creates this case where it doesn't really matter what you're criticizing Because you're always going to be right to criticize it. So let's take art, right? So he says, you know, the first thing you can say is, well, art is just a fetishist. It's just it's just this thing that means nothing. Art doesn't mean anything. You know, the fact that you and Marie like the Daredevil show is because of, you know, oh, they're just creating something meaning, some meaning, some importance here for you that really has no effect on your life and it shouldn't have any power over you, right? Chris, you shouldn't buy Daredevil um, comics anymore because the character is made up and it's just social control on top of you, right? And then says further than that, further than the fetishization of the thing itself, that that thing was used to control you this story of a hero fighting a villain, don't you see its parallels to your real life? Don't you see that there are real villains out there that are controlling you? And so they feed you this slop on Netflix because it will keep you happy and dull to the real attack on you and your freedoms that is happening around you.
1: I'm with you.
0: I'm with and so you. so what he's, yeah, I'm it's a you, lot.
1: It's a lot, but, but, but basically what
0: he's, basically what he's saying is, That. So sociology, critical theory, philosophy, you know, a lot of our like a lot of our our science is based on this same idea, too, of kind of criticism and um, a lot of the same kind of foundations of like. Critical theory. Yeah,
1: of examining. Yeah, critical
0: theory is based on this idea that like humans are animals and so we are driven by economics, which is an, you know, which is just part of us gaining energy. Like it's a whole big thing. Oh, yeah. A lot of our modern day views are based on this idea. And so of constructions kind of. Yeah, like, it's sort of what he's saying yeah. is if we're teaching people, if we're saying to people that these unseen worlds of social control and domination really exist out there, why wouldn't they take the next step to say, well, yeah, you're right. Those things do exist and some people are using them for their own benefit.
1: Well, why don't you think that they... I was I think that social criticism is is actually saying that.
0: You so you're you're arguing that social criticism is saying that there's real conspiracy out there.
1: I am saying that I think that it is not just like back and forth, right? Like I think you have you have the fairy position and you have the fact position, right? And so you have these things volleying back and forth about whatever, about a sneaker, right? Like you could say, I think a sneaker is actually kind of an easier well, one so for me to get my head around. Because you could say, yeah. well, okay, so the sneaker embodies to me, you know, if it's an Air Jordan, it's about, you know, it's about the success. It's about this, this, you know, social scarcity. It's about the, the idea of Michael Jordan himself. And then you can come back with the fact position and be like, Nike's making millions of dollars off of that. And, you know, it's kids in China assembling them. Right, so I mean, you you have that sort of back and forth dialogue about it, but you also have, you also have, uh, like other aspects outside of that, like somebody saying, "Yeah, but I buy this sneaker, I hold on to this sneaker, and all of a sudden, this sneaker can put me through college,
0: right?" Like, so what? Yeah, but so what? He, what he's saying, though, I think would be, mm-hmm. and, I, and I agree with you. I right? mean, but I there's a lot this... of
1: different. Like, I think my point is like is that you don't get to... There is no one person that gets to define what is a fairy position or what is a fact position. And the fact that he's trying to define it to me is sort of arbitrary and
0: is sort of... I don't think... I think you're getting caught up on the fairy versus fact position thing. What he's arguing, I guess, is more about how those positions imposed on people make them view the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he's saying that it doesn't matter which one you take in both cases, the end point is in both cases, the end point is um is that
1: you' someone else is controlling else. you in yeah.
0: secret that in some way you are being controlled in secret, and so the idea that you know when people ask well why do why do more people believe and again, he's working right. from a false premises or from a false premise, I think which is more people believe in conspiracies now than they ever did because right. he's arguing Which, that it's it's from the 1970s on it's because of critical theory that people believe in conspiracies and that's not true right right so yeah so I think so I think the po- the whole I think the the more interesting thing is again it's kind of like another way of, again I actually argue I would actually think that this positioning or this kind of argument that he's making
1: uh-huh.
0: more shows that in itself is kind of a conspiracy theory, right? Well, <laughs> that, it's, yeah, like, that's, that's, it's this idea that like the ac- academics yeah. academics yeah. then are, um, are
1: are masking it, are making it harder yes. to. But that's I think that that's what I'm saying too is like he's coming at it from this from and I don't you know besides the two positions, um, but just sort of that what I'm what I'm getting at is sort of the he's saying that that dialogue in itself is masking, but it's sort of like well he's coming at it from a position of um, this assumed authority. Like I, you can't say that one of these things isn't right. And that this, that these dialogues or discussions aren't opening up to have further thought about yes. something. Yeah. Like what's, right? what's
0: the, what's so then what do you do then? You don't, you don't, you don't criticize society. You don't, society. Criticize. you don't do then?
1: yeah, you don't yeah. deconstruct things. You don't, you don't ask these kind of questions or something. Cause it's like, He's basically saying it's like a circle jerk and everybody feels like, oh, they're right yeah. afterwards. Well, I think he's sort of like, yeah, he's, ba- well, he's basically isn't, saying isn't like, he, isn't yeah, he he's sort d- of a circle jerk with this by saying like, look what I pointed out, like you're all wrong and we should never examine it. But he just did a huge he just examined the hell out of this.
0: Yeah, I think he didn't, I think he didn't go like, into
1: the difference between fairy and fact. Right. He could have, yeah. But he didn't. So he's kind of a he's kind of a jerk. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he's just, kind of he's
0: kind of critiquing <laughs> like and again, I don't know. I only read the one article that he wrote, right? So, like, don't, you know, we're not, we're, we don't know his whole you know, thing hating. or whatever, but we're not it, full seems, on it seems to me that, yeah, people. the argument is basically, you know, um, guy, you know, this guy, basically his argument is don't have the circle jerk if you're going to complain about chafing afterwards. But, you know, maybe that's chafing what, is half that's the what point, it seems right? like to me. If you don't
1: chafing, you know, like, that's, the, my whole point is, like, the the reason you have, the reason you have these discussions are to have the discussions I don't want to say it's just I'm just asking questions, but it's like it is kind of positioning your thought to be critical about how you approach things. And are these things worthy of asking questions And without asking them? You're not going to know. But with it comes that responsibility of what do I do with this knowledge? But I don't think like I don't think I think there's a difference in learning about them and thinking about them in a classroom versus Going, and, you know, and espousing, you know, untruths to eleven, mi- uh, you know, eleven million listeners.
0: Yeah, it's again, just we're we're get we're right back to is odd, right? It's kinda. He's making the argument that, like, he's making the argument that, mm-hmm. um, that he's almost making the argument that truth is not a. Well, I saw, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. Because I think another way, another way you can read this is another way you can read this is thinking about the outcomes of these, like, I think the argument he's, well, I don't know for sure. But to me, it seems like if the point of critical theory is to point out modes of social control that make people do things against their well-being or whatever, right, you know, if the right. point of criticism is is to point out those power structures and how they affect people and everything else, right? Then allowing then this might be a mechanism by which, and again, this is kind of a a different viewpoint, but something I I think is true that this prevalence of like conspiracy theory or these the the way that criticism can easily divulge or fall into conspiracy theory uh-huh. is itself maybe a way that the superstructures that do exist out there in terms of power and everything else can leverage these critical elements, this weapon that was once used against them, they can leverage that weapon to protect themselves more. Right? So like the king, you know, yeah, the king, there used to be assassins who came after the king, but now the king has hired the assassins to go after his enemies. You know? Why an airport, Marie? Why did why did the Illuminati build a goddamn Wait, airport? Where were we talking about? Next time, we're going to answer the question,
1: but why an airport? Why an airport?
0: All right. Dear listeners, thanks for listening to the show. It's a pleasure as always. We love you all.
1: And I hope you all think we're full of shit and are asking yourself that question.
0: That's important. It is important. Don't trust us. We don't know anything. Don't trust us just because we're on a highly lucrative and very popular podcast. Because we spent $30 on microphones. Wait, you spent right. $30? No, I been more.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I, mine was like at a yard sale. Anyways.
0: <laughs> All right, dear <laughs> listeners, we love you. Thank we you so much you. for listening. Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host. Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm -hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen, our... Web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo! And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you. This has been a
1: Damn It Chippy production. Karen Douglas, Robbie Sutton, and Alexandra. Ch- oh, God. Chachoxra? Chachakra? Oh. Tachaka? Tachaka. That doesn't sound right. Uh, the authors of the, psychological, the psychology of conspiracy theories
0: let's redo that let's
1: redo that i know i'm just gonna say oh my god it's also hard it's harder to like scroll on google i'm a loser i'm old okay so from
0: a news story gets shared by a friend on social media or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil but how do you separate fact from fiction